It's back where we came from. Hey, I don't know if I could do this, okay? Hey! I got a family, if I'm gonna shit in a bag for the rest of my life because I got shot after the war was over, that'd be pretty fucking stupid, wouldn't it, Major? What is the most important thing in life? What are you talking about? What's the most important thing? Respect. Too dependent on other people. What, love? A little Disneyland, isn't it? God's will. It's close. What is that? Necessity. As in? As in people do what is most necessary to them at any given moment. Right now, what is most necessary to Saddam's troops is to put down the uprising. We can do what we want. They won't touch us. All right. I'll be wearing fashionable Kevlar. Me too. Welcome to the Cinema 9 Podcast. I'm Michael Govier, along with my co-host, Travis Roy, and Eric Branstrom, who is back. By the way, we should give it up for Eric. So glad you're back. Welcome back, Eric Branstrom, after a long escapade from Florida and camps galore. It's great to have you back. I'm so happy to be back with you, gentlemen. I feel like it's been a hell of a long time, but uh, look at this crew here. We've got uh, my usual co-host and the legendary... Uh, Steve Laskowski dubbed the the Big Laskowski. If you are watching on YouTube, I'm so pumped, man. Uh, I got a lot to say. I am honored to be here. Um, thank you guys very much for having me on. I can't believe how many episodes is it now? Is this like 106, 105, 104? 104, I believe. This is the 104th edition, Stephen. Wow, uh, amazing. Wait, is that sad? That's happy. It's happy. That was the wrong button. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. Yeah, but yes, button. Fail button. <laughs> Welcome, Stephen Laskowski is our guest. We have known Steve for literally decades. He's as close a friend to us as Travis, Eric, and I are as friends. He's basically, you know, you would be a host of this show if you decided to be a part of it. It would have been great. But, you know, that's a lot of people every day and every week. And I know Travis likes to keep the number. I mean, three is already too many for Travis. So four people, me. I don't think. Oh, I'll blame it. Why are you throwing me under the bus here? What do I got to do with this? Well, <laughs> come on. You don't you find it challenging when there's a lot there's four more voices. It's tough. I'll I take think, the blame too. I'll take I, I think four is a max for any podcast personally. I, I, I find three, you know, as a is a listener. I'm like, okay, three is enough, especially if they all sound the same, which 
we kind of do. Though I kind of have to argue with that because your 100th episode, there's five of you, and that was fantastic. That was the greatest episode of all time. That was fantastic. Our good friends with the podcasting After Dark crew. Yes. Yes. That's true. I heard that that from, by the way, multiple people. Steve said that. Eric, Eric Allen said that. Other people said it really was our best episode. So I guess you never know. You get the right mix of people. It doesn't matter how many folks we got on an episode. As long as it's entertaining, that's all that matters, right, Steve? Absolutely. It was it was fantastic. Thanks, guys. Steve, did you me. work at Blockbuster? I sure did. 226124 <laughs> All three of you guys worked together back in the day when Blockbuster was at its highest powers, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lines in the back of the store every day. Random people going through the <laughs> drop box because they wanted to get uh, Air Force One. It was out of control. <laughs> it's always fun when two of your best friends have to write you up. <laughs> I don't think. Did we ever write you up? That no, I'm happen? just kidding. <laughs> Busted. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> Oh, that's great, man. That's so funny because, yes, that is always going to be a legacy you guys could carry with you. And I only wish that I was there, but I'm grateful that all three of you guys got that experience because here we're all about movies. Steve, what's your favorite movie of all time? Go. Oh, my gosh. Put me on the spot. On the Uh, spot. I'm going to, just because my name reflects it right now, Big Lebowski. I love that movie. It's not a classic or anything. It's a cult classic for me. It is? Cult classic. I, I don't think it's it's not like a history classic, you know, <laughs> but I love that movie. Every time I see it, it cracks me up. I can jump in at any part of it, you can watch five minutes of it or watch the whole thing. I love that movie. It's just there's no other movie that I would care to watch as many times as I've watched that movie. Legendary. Mike, what's your favorite movie? Uh, I don't know. That's too tough to call. I, I'm amazing <laughs> yeah, that he answered it at all. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, best day be- of your life. Go. <laughs> who's your favorite person who do you love the most oh that's clearly me that's an easy one uh, yeah but actually i was thinking about this the other day i think i was writing some shit down uh like what is truly my favorite movie and it's it's just too hard to decide it really is but i thought you know you're a decisive man steve so i thought you'd be more decisive than me it's impossible because i mean what genre what what i mean decade i mean it's it's impossible yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much impossible, which is why we asked you here at Thank the start you. of the show. The <laughs> first time you've ever been on a podcast, much. we thought we did, we asked you on the spot, "What's your favorite movie of all time?" We're gonna judge you by that. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, yeah, this is your first ever podcast. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Well, you're yes, doing great sir. so far, man. Don't blow it, but so far, so good. <laughs> As I said before, it's on you guys, not on me. <laughs> he will this walk. He will you. walk. <laughs> yeah, he will walk out. That's true. Uh, well, I didn't mention it yet, but Steve is the one who selected our main event for today, Three Kings. Does it hold up or not? 1999 movie directed by David O. Russell. Yeah. And we will talk about that in about 20 minutes or so after we get to our quarantine viewing picks. But before we do that, of course, I want to say... Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Five-star reviews. We love those on Apple Podcasts. If you could just take a moment of your day. Spotify also has five-star rating system that is now available. All you got to do on that is just click the five stars and you're basically done. So, you know, if you could do that, that'd be great. And if you want to send us an email, cinema9pod at protonmail.com. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Good job. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so, Stephen, this is how it works. You're familiar with the show. We love having you here. Travis is going to take it away as we talk about what we've been watching recently and what we may or may not recommend. You guys, I have been watching a, shame, a shameless, maybe a shameful amount yeah. of movies. I watched so many fucking movies this week. I'm on. Well, I'm you're on, on the, break, though. You're on yeah, break, I'm, by the I'm way. on break, and uh, oof. Man, I watched a lot of movies. I'm gonna, I'll cut it. I'll try and cut it down some. Uh, I checked out the Bubble, the uh, new Netflix film from Judd Apatow, uh, satire about Hollywood and early COVID days. Which I guess you know I'm ready to watch movies that are based around COVID because I sat down knowing what this was and watched it, and it was okay. It was okay. We've ever seen um, not the best Apatow flick I've ever seen, but it was all right. Uh, on the recommendation of Aaron Chudpud Worley, I checked out Knights of Bad Astem, a good late night flick. Uh, <laughs> the rare genre of LARP comedy horror, I guess. Um, but it's, it's worth checking out, again, especially late at night. There was a lot of talk about Come On, Come On before the Oscars this year. Did you guys check Come On, Brian Come On? Brian Madison, out? top five movie of 2021, according to Brian, friend of the show. Yeah, and former co-host or guest host. Um, check him out on our what's show? What, what did he do? A devil wears devil in a devil in a <laughs> devil in a blue dress. Yes, how could I forget? Yes, uh, but yeah, you know, it, yeah, it was a good movie. I wouldn't put it in my top five personally, but I would, I, I definitely respected it. Uh, it, it is a series of postcards written lovingly to about five different cities including detroit basically and and so it's nice to see detroit well represented on film always and also you know there was a lot of talk this year about um the was it the lost daughter and how and how bold it was to show another side of parenthood i feel like this shows another side of parenthood in a way that is equally realistic i say this as a non-parent but still equally re realistic <laughs> you don't have children you don't know anything <laughs> but i mean it's it's it complicates the whole idea and but in a way that's still very loving and um rewarding to watch it was a sweet film and i can see why a lot of people loved it i've been listening to a lot of oscar peterson lately canada's uh, classic jazz pianist so i watched the documentary on him called black and white that came out last year if you're interested in uh that kind of stuff at all. I'd strongly recommend it. It's a nice snapshot of his life. This uh, this guy is a legend, but not. I don't think he's properly rec uh, properly recognized in America. But he's definitely a, an important pianist. Um, I'll bounce around here. I checked out the report from 2019. This movie was kind of rough. You know, there's a lot of images of like torture taking place. Adam Driver was good in it, though. I could see why it got some buzz when it came out in 2019, but. It's definitely a bit of a rough watch. Uh, the subject matter being, you know, um, the CIA, the exposure of the CIA's torture program during the um, second Iraq war. So that was kind of rough, but good. Uh, Mike, I watched a movie. I can't, I, I think I found the perfect movie for you to hate the most. I, I can't think of a movie you would hate more than Come True from 2020 because it's a horror movie and it's all about dreams. And yes! it's, all, it's all about like, you don't know what's, is, are they dreaming? Is it real? Is oh, it not? But I really liked it. Um, you know, I started wearing a mouth guard last year because I literally like, killed one of my teeth just from grinding it. And Shit. now I have to wear a, 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 a wrist brace on one hand and an elbow guard like an elbow brace on my other hand because i'm like giving myself carp carpal tunnel in my sleep so i basically have to like gird up for war <laughs> before going to bed every night 
So I really appreciate it come true because that's basically what these people have to do with sleeping in chainmail. <laughs> I'm like I'm like Stephen 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 Grant on Moon Knight here. I'm like chaining myself to my bed every night. It's it's fucking tragic. You man. have failed. It's I, sleeping's hard apparently. <laughs> apparently it is. I mean, good lord, my friend. I really you're gearing up for some serious sleep. I will tell you this. That is a scary thought, that movie. Dreams, scary film, all in one. I think this sums it up best. Welcome to hell! Yes, that, that, this movie would be hell for you. Okay. Don't, don't watch it. I checked out Moscow on the Hudson. You know, I, we always pretend like the first drama movie that Robin Williams ever did was Good Will Hunting, as if World According to Garp and this and this didn't exist well before this. Moscow on the Hudson came out in 1984, and it's got comedic elements, but it's a drama about a defecting Russian dude. It was it was all right. It was worth seeing, especially if you like Robin Williams. And he's one of those guys. I'm not, I, you know, I I did watch a Nick Cave movie or Nick Cave. I did watch Nick a, Cave. Nick, a Nick. He does do scores. Uh, I did watch a Nick Cage movie this week. You know, I'm making my way through all of his work, but I'm much slowly, more slowly making my way through all of Rob Williams stuff. At some point, I'd like to see everything he's done as well. You know, and this is this was good. I liked Moscow on the Hudson. Chronos. Uh, I remember seeing the, the commercials yeah. for Chronos when it came out in 1993 and wanting to see it then. Like I saw it, I think it was like before the Reservoir Dogs or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. And never saw it until this week. And it was good. I could see why it got his career, um, Guillermo del Toro's career kicked off because Kronos oh. was pretty awesome. But on a bit of a Walter Hill, uh, you know, I've been looking at some Walter Hill stuff. I checked out 48 hours. I'd actually never seen it before. Um, I, I'm going to repeat the joke I made with you, Steve, when we were on the phone, uh, 48 hours, a slew of slurs. That's what it was. It was just Nick K oh, Nick, again. I can't, I can't uh, No, Nick Nolte just growling every like racial slur you can think of Ooh. at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, at Eddie Murphy. I don't know, man. I, I it's probably pretty awesome when it came out, but like, it's kind of hard. Hard to watch now. I'm just like, okay, all right. I'm confused. One. Nick Nolte growling? I'm, yeah, I'm not, I can't picture that. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect description. That's all, that's all the man ever does. I can hear it. <laughs> There's a growl. You know, Stalker is a movie from 1979 that, you know, the, the, the filmmakers died to make this movie. Basically, they got cancer from, or likely got cancer from recording <laughs> in a, from filming in a uh, like a chemical plant. This is widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. This Russian film from 1979. I was bored. So fucking bored. Have you ever seen it, Eric? You're, you're looking. No, a friend of the show, Chad, uh, sings extremely high praises. I, I bet he does. You know, <laughs> I have another podcast with Chad. I know his tastes pretty well. And he, and he has, uh, you know, there are some th- cinephiles that have the patience that will eat their spinach for a movie like this i couldn't do i mean i watched the movie i finished it but like and it's beautifully shot no one could argue that that this is not beautifully shot but if a movie is beautifully shot and beyond dull then like what is the point i mean i'm sorry like like it can still be art but is it a good movie i don't know um, so I, I mean, I think I'm sure I lost a lot of cred just there to some people that would probably that love stalker and, uh, you know, if you never heard of it, you're like, okay, but for some people, this is like a hugely influential and important film. And I'm not going to say like it's, it hasn't had its 
that has has no value or anything because it influenced a lot of people but man it was rough to watch and i would not recommend it uh i did check out a couple of really strong romantic comedies from about a decade ago with huge casts that i'd never heard of i watched what if that had you know daniel radcliffe and um Oh, who was the female? Oh, uh, Zoe Kazan. And then just like a ton of other people, Adam Driver, um, a bunch of folks. And that was really good. I watched Going the Distance with Justin Long and uh, Drew Barrymore. And that was oh. a really sweet movie about um, long distance relationship. And you got Charlie Day in there. You got Jason Sudeikis and a mustache in there. You got so many people in both of these movies and Christina Applegate. I'm like, well, why have I never heard of them? But they're really good. And I'll wrap this up because I know I mustache, 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 mustache. Uh, he's in good shape. And uh, lastly, but not leastly, I checked out Schmigadoon. Um, you know, this is six half hour episodes on Apple. You don't have to be that familiar with. I've never seen Brigadoon. I haven't seen a lot of the musicals that are parodied in this show, but it was fan fucking tastic. I loved Schmigadoon. Just real charming, real feel good stuff. I'd strongly recommend Schmigadoon. If, if, I mean, like, again, it's musical. So if you hate musicals, you're not going to like it. But I, I found it really delightful and I blew through it in one evening like nothing. It was great. Oh, Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. <laughs> uh, Schmigadoon. They did Brigadoon, I think, in high school. That's right. Yes, Didn't that's they? right. The classic play, Brigadoon. In fact, you know, the first that's time right. I ever met Steve Laskowski was when I saw him in It's a Wonderful Life, which was, was a stage play done. The Goon. Yeah, the Goon. The original Goon. goon. That was the first <laughs> play of freshman year, I believe. My freshman, our freshman year. Everyone knows. And if, and if you're, yeah, there it and is. And if you're listening, you're thinking, who the fuck is the Goon? <laughs> 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 and it's a wonderful life. Um, that's the guy who pushes around the wheelchair of Mr. Right. Potter. So, yep. Apparently. Star. Great, great makeup. You are. Rick Baker would blush, man. You look gaunt and creepy as fuck. Yeah, I remember scene. well. It was fantastic, was Steve. And, uh, you know, rest in power, Daniel Hurt. She was fantastic in that. She was. Uh, let's head on over to Eric Branstrom now. You have control of the board. You have been gone from this show for a few weeks. So. What have you got for us, my friend? It's been a month. We haven't seen him in a month. It's the longest since the uh, epidemic or pandemic yeah, started. Yeah, man. It's been rough. I've really missed the show, but I've been listening devotely. In fact, you know, I drove 16 hours to Florida uh, round trip, and I'm listening. I, real quick, I, I'm, I'm driving down there, and I'm listening to the fantastic uh, American Beauty episode where you were joined by the wonderful Christian Haraminski. I love the show, man. And um, you guys got to talking about Scott Bakula. And I'm bored out of my goddamn mind in the Tennessee mountains, just driving and driving into the middle of nowhere. Uh, phone's dead. I don't even know how where I'm going. I'm just hoping I can keep going south. So I started thinking about Scott Bakula. You know, I really enjoyed him in that movie. And I'm like, man, how could you bring back Scott Bakula, man? I, what a fine, terrific, earnest, sincere actor. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, what would I do? So I came up with a pretty good premise. So if anybody's listening and they want to option this, go for it. So it's kind of like a real life. It's kind of like Kirby Enthusiasm. I'm like actually exactly like that. It's kind of like a mockumentary starring Scott Bakula. And he's struggling in his like uh, his career nowadays. And he gets bit by a vampire. Okay. He gets bit by a vampire while leaving like a small playhouse. And slowly he, you know, he starts to like become this vampire and he's got to deal with resurrecting his career post quantum leap and enterprise and also vampirism 
and it's called Count Bacula. So I, I think that could be some fun. Count Bacula. <laughs> Count I no Bacula. Idea. I had no idea you were going to go there. This show is really. <laughs> I did, and I would absolutely watch it. <laughs> would you watch wow. Count Bacula? Count Maybe. Bacula. Eh. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well. All right. If, that if, pitch... the we- if the Wheel of Fortune episodes are all up. Then okay. I'll... Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, email the show if you'd watch Count Bacula, ProtonMail.com. Anyway, guys, I got to tell you, man, um, I did catch up. I mean, no one likes to talk about Oscar movies after the Oscars. It almost <laughs> seems like they, they kind of drift back out to sea, and you're like, oh, I missed it, so I'm never going to watch it. Uh, Coda loved it. Okay, Coda loved it. Did. Fantastic. Great. But I, I don't know what was going on with my TV, but like I didn't have like I, I thought there was an artistic choice. Like when they were doing all the signing and stuff, like there was no ca- closed captions on my screen. <laughs> then you missed like huge. huge I thought that was an artistic film. choice. So I had no. to kind of like. <laughs> poor bastard. Shit. I'm glad you still liked it. I loved it, That's but I, and I was kind of like digging, like like trying to figure out non-verbally and stuff what was going on. And I was like, oh, uh, this is kind of an interesting choice. Said heck of a long scene to not know what the fuck is going on, but uh, still kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely want to see it again uh, now that I have an Apple subscription that I don't know how to get rid of. But <laughs> it says a lot about the director and the actors, though, that you didn't have to know exactly what no. they were saying to, to no. be fully invested in the film like that. Yeah, I got the mood. I loved it. Power of the Dog. I, I, I fucking loved it. I loved it so much. It's my favorite movie of last year. Um, yeah, it, I, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, so, man, getting back to some some of the more regular shit. Cool Runnings? I'd never seen it. I loved it. Never I've never seen, seen it either. either. I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. Have you ever seen Cool Runnings? I don't think I have. It's... <laughs> <laughs> If I have, it was so long ago. I don't remember. I figured I'm going to come here and you guys are going to be like, what? You've never said That's like not seeing Home Alone. Okay. All right. I think, I think it came out at that age for us where we were just a tick too old for it. We were like yeah. 17, 18 yeah. when it came out yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a bobsled movie, I guess. I yeah. Like, you kind of really feel care. like you've already seen it. Like, all right, they're Jamaican. Bobsledding, John Candy cracks yeah. jokes. I have waded my way through so many bobsled movies. I've had enough. <laughs> But until you've no seen more. every John Candy movie, check it out. It's on Disney Plus, and it's really sweet. Uh, I, I really like this. It. Really sweet, and it's kind of unexpected. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go, and I, I applaud it for that. John Candy, earnest soulful, soulful performance, is Candy fantastic. In He's the star. Oh fuck! Well, you know, I've been watching a lot of his stuff too. I guess I, I should watch that. Let us know, man. See if All you right. enjoyed it like I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am Sam. I went oh. there, man. I pushed play. Against my better judgment, I hit play. I'm like, how bad how bad was it? It's interminable. It's <laughs> it's offensive. Yeah, it goes on. It it uh it didn't it get him nominated for an Academy Award? Yeah, he, yes. He's nominated for an Oscar, but this is like happy jack territory. It's so irresponsibly saccharine, contrived, pitiably sweet. It's it's so bad I had to turn it off. I could not take it anymore. It was, I'm telling you, it was, it was atrocious. But, <laughs> yeah, man, wow. And it just uh, keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah, it just keeps going. And it's so cringeworthy. Half the time of the 25 minutes I allotted, I was like, I was covering my eyes. It was just like, <laughs> you could do a lot with this story, which is a sweet story about a mentally challenged man trying to take care of his daughter, who he completely deserves custody of. 
Um, but it's just shot in just the cheesiest Hallmark greeting card mm-hmm. bullshit way that you want to throw up in your pop- empty popcorn bag. Uh, yeah, man, uh, it, a misfire. Dark Blue, 2003. I saw Kurt yeah, Russell. I hit play Blue. immediately. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> boring. Oh, really boring. Yeah, just really great. dull. That's a it's like, Elmore it's Leonard, so isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Detroit. it's Elmore Leonard, yeah. but it's really like everything you've seen before is all laid out on a table and they're just sloshing through molasses to the paint by number <laughs> basics can't recommend it man other than that i do have a story about that wait wait i gotta please. tell a story about dark blue real quick so please i watched dark blue on the front lawn what? of the dump in the summer <laughs> what where we take sometimes yeah i'd like to take the tv and everything outside because it's just stupid for some reason but so we took the whole living room out to the front yard of the dump on washington avenue in the middle of the summer yeah and we watched dark blue right Dom's there donuts, on that lawn dark blue. <laughs> <laughs> that happened what a, li- wow. what a viewing experience yeah <laughs> it was the sunny outside of- i don't know how we could see the tv high noon you're watching dark blue you can't even see the screen you're on the lawn is of the russell who is it? <laughs> yeah. Dark Blue. Not a good movie. Other than that, man, I've been burning through three seasons of Cold Case Files. I can't get enough, man. Every episode is exactly the same, and I laugh every time. Like, not because of the, the victims, but every single case, someone's like, man, 30 years ago, uh, they've been dead, and we still have don't have answers. And then one detective's like... Why don't we check out that box that's in storage and see if there's DNA in it? There is. They run it through the CODIS system, and then they find the guy. Every single episode, that's all it takes is for someone to be like, hey, did they ever catch that guy? No. Well, get the box out and uh, swab it. And their DNA is right there, and they could have got him like, as soon as this uh, possibility occurred in like the late 90s. <laughs> so dumb, but I love it. Okay. Cold case. Steve, you yeah. cold case fan? I am, I am a Cold Case fan. Absolutely. Forensic Files, uh, also good, but Cold Case is where it's at. Well, it certainly is no uh, Robert, Robert Stack, but hey, we'll do but it. Yeah, yeah, and what is? Oh, nobody can top Robert Stack, that's true. Oh, by the way, Harsh Truth commented that Cool Runnings is a top 10 Disney film all time. I got to check it out. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. Uh, all right, so for me... I forgot to mention this last week, Travis, and it would have been a lot better since we did the episode together. But mm. I, I watched Peacemaker. I knocked it out, no. and I forgot to mention it. And I can't believe I forgot about it because I can't believe you did either. Every, everything that you and uh, Corey said on the Podcasting After Dark 100 episode spectacular is Damn. true. It's I think the theme song is, is good. I don't think it's legendary. It's definitely funny, and I like it. I appreciate it. It's but the show opening. itself. I mean, come on. It's a memorable opening. But, yeah, the it's, show itself is. It definitely did, is. It definitely did you think is. that John Cena's Jim Varney on steroids? Isn't that what no, I don't see it like that. I respect. <laughs> yeah, I respected that commentary. I thought it was a really a, a nice summation. But I didn't see it that way. I just saw a guy who was a clueless, kind of a douchebag, doesn't realize it, but he's trying. And. Uh, so there is some Jim Vardy in there, I see. But there's so much more going on with that show. And, uh, Laskowski, have you seen Peacemaker? I have not. No, I have not. I, w- I would recommend it to you. I'm, I'm going to recommend it to you right now because everything Travis said was right. And I'm not even a huge John Cena-file like Travis is. But, man, show <laughs> had so much fun little nuggets, too. If, like, you're yeah. into comic book stuff, there's a few surprises that get thrown in. You're like, oh, that's great. What a reference. And, um... 
What a show. So strongly recommend Peacemaker. If you like James Gunn, I'm a huge fan of stuff that is like both really stupid and silly and also has a lot of heart and is surprisingly deep. And I think that James Gunn is really, really good at doing that. And uh, and I think this is maybe one of the best that he's done at that. And I, I, I loved it start to finish. I just thought I thought it was fantastic. Absolutely agree. Uh, Harsh Truth says Peacemaker didn't get good until they stopped relying on images of John Cena and his tidy whiteies. Uh, sure, okay, but I have to disagree. Maybe with that's that. true. But uh, I yeah, think I it thought, was consistent throughout. So. Yeah, I loved it so much. And his tidy. Yeah, Robert Patrick's still alive. That's fun. He was great in it. He was great. All right, I'm sorry. We're going to hijack this thing and turn it into a Peacemaker uh, podcast. Hey, welcome to Peacemaker Chat. I'm ready to (laughs) revamp this whole podcast into a Peacemaker podcast. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was a great show. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I also watched movies that are, you know, technically Peacemaker is a TV show, so I don't mean to violate. But I knocked out Dune. I did it. I watched Dune. And I'll tell you what. I've never truly watched the original. I've basically seen a bunch of scenes from it because people have watched it, but I never sat down and watched the original. And all I remember was Kyle McLaughlin, blue eyes, like a gross blob of a human being guy. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not immersed in the historical cultural passion that is Dune. Like Chad, for example, Chad Gibbons, your co-host on the best film podcast. Like he loves Dune, right? right. Like beyond. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That was the first yeah. episode we did was Dune. Well, there you go. So, you go. but so someone who doesn't give a shit about Dune at all, I got to tell you, I really dug it. It was fantastic, and it's a huge cast and a huge world, and and I, I mean, no spoiler alert here, but it looks like this is not. There's going to be more Dunes, I think. So, <laughs> I I was, I don't know. Maybe there is or not. It's kind of uncertain to me. I don't there, know. But. Yes, there's a second there one is. in the works. Oh, there is. Okay, yes, well, that was there you go. Always the plan. Uh, I mean, it, it by the way, Night Owl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Night Owl Movie Talk says Cenophile, well played. Thank yeah, you. that's a regular. Travis is the original Cenophile Night Owl, so now you know. I don't know if you're the original, but in this I show am, you are. I am one. I am one of many, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so Dune, man. Wow. Timothy Chalamet, everybody. Huge cast. Momoa and Brolin and, uh, you know, Spider Man Lady. I don't know her name. What's her name? Zendaya. Zendaya. Oh, that's Zendaya. Shit. Okay, I mixed her up with someone else. Yeah, yeah but she, yeah, she's in it, and then you know, Javier Bardem. It's fun. It's a, it's not fun, but it's a great movie. I love that we're so in our forties that, that one of our co-hosts could be like, "Oh, that's pronounces her name wrong. That's Zendaya. <laughs> like she's like one yeah. of the most famous people on the planet. <laughs> I know she's everywhere. She was in Spider Man. I watched that last week. Very so I, I got every dose of her. I just kind of yeah. spaced out her name. Zendaya. I meant no offense. I'd also watched. Give me back my son! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh man, I've been wanting to bring that on. Damn, it's today. on my list. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. How was? Well, you guys how can still bring it to the table. Ransom. We should say the title of the film for those that are not immediately knowing what we're talking about. You know, the Morlocks and the Eloys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That one. I forgot about that part. That really was. I was like, Jesus. Wow. This is a long, stretched out. Yeah. Soliloquy here by Mister. <laughs> Gary Sinise. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's Ron Howard. You know, Ron Howard could do anything. He could go Set any up. genre. It's a, it's impressive. It really is impressive. His massive range as a director. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I watched a movie called 
Angus from 1995. <laughs> Angus. Yeah. 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 I remember the cover box. Yep. <laughs> what did it look like? Was it a piece of meat? <laughs> I just remember weird colors and just I don't piece of meat. No, no piece of meat. It was no uh, meat wasn't it that kid from uh Last Action Hero? Mm, I don't think so. I no, this kid one. was oh. much different. Uh, I'm thinking of prehistoric. You, <laughs> yeah, you did have the same uh, haircut. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover box right now. Angus. Okay. Yeah. Pathetic but 14 apparently... year old whose thoughts are filled with the images of school man. All right. James Vanderbeek is in this one as well. Oh, a young, okay. young James Vanderbeek. It's uh, it's all right. It took me back in time. I used to watch this movie a lot when it came out. It was on HBO back in the '90s when we came home from school, and I'd watch cable television. So it was a nice flashback, but it's not very good at all. It's also George C. Scott's final film, yeah. I believe. Wow. And Kathy Bates is in it. You're like, wow, look at these legendary actors in this. Mm-hmm. It's just like a doofus movie. <laughs> uh, I watched Jackass Forever. I love Jackass. I always will. You put it on, and I'm going to have a good time. It's just a good, old-fashioned time. And this one didn't disappoint. I know there's been changes, like Bam Margera, and, of course, Ryan Dunn died. But they got some new people they brought in. They brought in a girl, too. She's part of the crew, and uh, it's still fun. Same as it ever was, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No questions asked. And then I watched Maverick, another Mel Gibson movie for the mid-'90s. <laughs> yeah, which, it was a big one. Yeah, dude, I used to watch the shit. I saw that movie a billion times in the 90s, and it reminded me, because when I started watching it for the first time in forever, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember. I could do, like, every line from this movie. Why am I so connected to Maverick? It's not even that good. But it's, uh, you know, it's cheesy, but it it knows it's cheesy. It winks at itself. And I think it's a easygoing, simple movie that you could enjoy. If you just want some popcorn trash entertainment, Maverick is a perfect choice for you. And uh, I did watch The Lost Daughter. You mentioned it earlier, Travis. And I thought, what a revelation this movie is. It's about fucking time. I applaud this movie. I really was impressed with the way that they were showing the pain and the challenges of parenthood. There's so much so much coddling and admiration. You know, being a parent is the ultimate responsibility. There's no doubt about that. But so many stories that are missed about how people lose their identity of themselves as parents. And I thought this movie did a great job of that. It gets a little weird with some of the shit that's going on in it, but I'm really glad I watched this one. Olivia Coleman was outstanding, and I strongly will recommend The Lost Daughter. Two out of three co-hosts agree. The Lost Daughter. Loved it. (laughs) Yeah, you thought it was drab and boring, right? Oh, I I couldn't stand it. It's two hours of watching a woman sitting on a chair. Yeah, well, I can't necessarily disagree with that. No, (laughs) it's not a beach, but still. (laughs) Well, skip the fanfare and the beach. It's time for Steve Laskowski. This is your moment. The floor is yours, my friend. Give us whatever you want to give us. As many movies as you want. It's all about you, Steve. Well, I watched three movies this week, so. (laughs) Um, And holy cow. Uh, I'll save the best for last year, but they... The classic 2014, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Oh, I really <laughs> like that movie. <laughs> With Liam, Liam Neeson. That's a good movie. Uh, director wow. Scott Frank. It was actually... Scott Frank, man. Yeah, it's better than I expected. It was really... I'm The genre of, of thriller is one of my favorite genres. And, and it has its ups and downs. There's a lot of trash in that genre, too. 
but I dig it all. I like it. I really <laughs> love sitting there and w- watching stupid mundane movie junk. I really, it's my favorite. Uh, but, but yeah, this is a decent movie, right? It, it, you know, the classic ex-cop checkered past <laughs> yep, turns into a, past. An, it turns into an investigator. I mean, it's not nothing new or exciting, but he gets involved in a kidnapping. It happened to be a drug dealer's child. Um, so there were, there were a lot of twists, a lot more unexpected twists than you'd imagine. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was a great movie. I, I really enjoyed it. it for entertainment purposes, which is what a movie's for. I really dug it. I got, you get exactly what you expect and, uh, dare I say a little better. You know, I think Liam Neeson has that same thing going as Nick Cage, where a lot of people think, oh, he just does a bunch of crap now. Never mind the fact that I know he's also a great actor that sometimes makes great choices and makes great movies. I'm just going to paint everything he does with the same brush and assume that if he's in it, then it's going to be trash. And that's what people have started doing with with, with Liam Neeson. But stuff like Walk Among the Tombstones. And that was based on a a, a book. Run All Night. Yeah, he does good stuff. Yeah, it was based on a book. And it's it's very taken-esque but it, it was done i thought it was directed a lot better and, and there was it was the scenes were great I, I really did enjoy it cool cool um now this next one is hilarious and i don't know why i watched it <laughs> <laughs> but again mindless end of the night busy day el camino christmas so- <laughs> what is that <laughs> it's not even december it's not even the holiday season directed by david talbert Wow. Uh, starring Tim Allen, uh, Tim <laughs> Allen, Luke Grimes, Jessica Alba, uh, Dax Shepard, okay. his own oh, Dax yeah. Shepard, sure, and Shepard. the Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, um, my God. A story of Luke Grimes comes into town, into El Camino, to find his <laughs> long-lost father, Tim Allen. And I got to say, it's it's a very, very dark comedy. Small town idiocracy ensues. Uh, but what made the movie is the always terrible Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, his acting is ab- ab- abhorrent. I'm sorry, guys, but his acting is abhorrent. And always terrible? Always. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Almost always terrible. Oh, my God. All right. I, and his accent that he tried to do in this film was. Oh, it was hilarious. It made the it made the film to me. I just sat there and laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, so obviously, I struck a nerve. Everyone loves Vincent D'Onofrio. What did you say about my Vanessa? What? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion. I, uh, what is it? Was is you trying to do Midwestern or like what is Southern? It? Like oh. like Texas, uh, Texas. Okay. You know, El Camino, hey, Texas. That's and a tricky he, one. Oh, dude, um, Kurtwood Smith is in this movie. Oh yeah. There's really? a lot of people in, the, in this movie. There's really a lot. Um, but it was, it was one of those movies that was kind of bad, but you know what? <laughs> really good. I, 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 by the okay. time it ended, you know, it was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was really fun to watch. And I yeah. laughed a lot more than I think they expected people to laugh, but I did. Someone, someone should take Tim Allen. I'm sorry. I get it. He's like Hollywood's poison because he's conservative. But like, I don't. I like Tim is. Allen. Somebody should give him like a serious role and like try to maybe do that later stage Robin Williams thing with him. I think there could be some something there. Well, he's been on that TV show. What is it, Last yeah, Man Standing exactly. or something? So what he's is this been fucking? Busy. Fi- yeah, what he's is this fiction that his career is hurting? Like the man's been on TV for decades. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's he's definitely a busy man. But El Camino Christmas 2017. Give it a chat. Check it out. So those are the two that I watched other than our main event. All right. Okay. Ah, okay. Ah. Thank you, Stephen. That's wonderful. And you already recommended those movies and your favorite movie of all time, The Big Lebowski, which is a classic. So if you want to know more about Steve, just ask him. We're live here. You can jump in the live chat. We're about to hit our main event, which is Steve Selection Three Kings. But before we do, we actually do have an email, and it's from somebody that you admire and respect, Steve. It's from our dear friend, Chad, the co-host of the Best Film Podcast with Travis, which you guys should definitely check out. Uh, Eric, what does Chad have to say about this show? Now you're muted. When you bud. unmute yourself, though. You got to <laughs> unmute yourself, though. As I uh, desperately try to bring up the email, um, <laughs> a bit of talk about it on the spot. Um, yeah. Yeah, I put some pressure on you. Chad, of course, if you go back into our library, hosted the uh, legendary American History X episode which is a fantastic mm. episode, man. And uh, once again, we do want to remind you that Chad co-hosts the Best Film Podcast with our own Travis Roy. I, um, also check that out. They did uh, Spring Breakers. Uh, uh, no, what? Palm Springs was their most recent oh. episode. Spring Breakers. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen that. I am kind of curious. Harmony Corinne? I uh, promise I'm never going to choose Harmony or a Harmony Corinne movie as the best movie of any year. <laughs> Period. Period. So, yeah. I promise. Chad says, hey, Bozos, can't wait for the Three Kings show and especially can't wait to hear from Laskowski. He's a genuine article. Three Kings was one of my absolute favorites back in the day, and I'm really hoping it holds up. The DVD had one of those clip fastener cases. Remember those? I didn't care for those. Hey, what did you think the meaning of the title Three Kings is? Spike Jones has Three Kings be stealing the gold in one scene, but seems like a throwaway line. Apart from that, is there any connection between between the movie also aren't there four main characters i'm not even sure who the three kings are i've been thinking about this for 20 years thanks for your service chad <laughs> gibbons what a great man <laughs> chad gibbons and he hit the nail right on the mm. head i mean i i've made the same note watching the movie i'm like is it like like the three musketeers there's four of them i mean i don't there's i mean they might as well have called the movie uh Lord, won't you buy me a mercedes benz i mean spike jones sang a line from that song in the same scene it seems like you know sometimes there's movies where i swear to god they just open the script and then like you know bay city roller style throw a fucking dart at it and decide <laughs> okay this is going to be the title of the movie all right i swear that happens and i think that happened with this one <laughs> okay yeah, cool sounding title Spoilers i love that war, we got the, the bay city rollers in this yeah, <laughs> yeah classic story saturday yeah. saturday night <laughs> but yeah i mean well you know the team i mean jamie kennedy was in on the team uh so could yeah. even be five five kings who the hell knows but yeah spoils of war the original title uh from john ridley that's a huge story as we get into the actual script uh big contention i mean david o russell wasn't just throwing punches at george clooney here he tossed a couple at john ridley too <laughs> hey guys i'm starting to think david o russell might be a dick you don't say <laughs> oh there's no proof of that <laughs> 
Allegedly. He's just honest about who he is, Travis. He's Allegedly. he's not he's direct. Hollywood doesn't like direct. They like backstabbing and secrets. It's better that way. So. Yes, exactly. Hollywood does not celebrate any abusive pricks. That's for sure, right? They sure don't. <laughs> not at all. Oh, boy, here we go. So, uh, thanks for the awards. email, Chad. If if you guys want to email us, like Chad did, cinnamonidepotaprotonmail.com, and that leads us into. By the way, he did write a PS about the Ukraine, and he wanted to let everyone know that he's safe and sound, and. Uh, Everything's going to be okay. That's all that matters, that their lives are intact. So thanks for giving us the update, Chad. We wish you well. As we get into now, I mean, you talk about war, real-life war. That's kind of weird in a way. We're talking about a movie which takes us back to the original Iraq War. Three Kings, 1999. David O. Russell directed it, starring George Clooney, Ice Cube, Mark Wahlberg, Spike Jones, a host of others. This is a movie that, you know is about violence and war. So I'm kind of thinking about our real world right now, and it freaks me out in a way. It's like, oh, wow. Because there's so many things going on in this movie related to cultures clashing and yeah. you know, hegemony and things like that. There's a lot of wild shit in this movie. So there's a lot to dissect. Hey, man, I'm sorry I hit you. I just worried about Troy, you know? He's my friend. I didn't want nothing to happen to him, you know? He's going to take me to Detroit with him, hook me up with a job. Come on, man, Chief. I know you was coming to help me. Thanks, man. I don't want to hold no grudges. You got kicked out of that ring of Jesus fire, huh? That ain't how it work. How's it work? Take care of whatever he puts in front of me. No questions asked. He put that gold in front of me, and I took it. That's how it works. What about now? I don't know. I got to see. You know, let's start it off with Steve. I want to give you first dibs. You selected this movie. Can you take us back in time to when you first saw this film? I Gosh, I think I rented it from Blockbuster Video, actually, at the time. Mm. I didn't see it. I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I just picked it up, had no expectation. I didn't know who George Clooney was at the time. Um, he wasn't a real big, big deal at the time and uh, mostly in TV, but man, I, I remember watching it for the first time and kind of just being blown away. Like, cause I, again, it was a movie I went in with zero expectation. I wasn't expecting anything. And at that point I didn't know who actors were. I didn't know who David, who David o. Russell was. Um, I, so I watched it with no expectation and, and was blown away. It really was. And I haven't yeah. watched it. I watched it a couple of times thereafter and then haven't seen it again for probably 10 plus years. So wow. I, okay. that's why. Perfect I selection it. for this show then. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. Uh, Travis, what about you? Three Kings. You remember your first viewing experience? <sighs> Not fully. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today. I, this is like the, I don't know, the 20th movie that I can, that we brought on the show that I can say, well, I had the movie poster on my wall at one point because when I worked at Blockbuster, we just collected those things. And my first apartment was with our friend, Jimmy, and we literally just covered, you know, from wall to wall, we covered that place in Orlando with a million posters. And one of them was a Three Kings poster sideways underneath the counter uh, <laughs> where <Ooh>. it fit. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked it enough to put the poster up. I don't really recall the first time I saw it. I, I was familiar with George Clooney because I, I liked ER. So, I you know, I watched it for that. And I remember being from Dust like, Till Dawn. Yeah, and I was I was a big fan of From Dust Till Dawn. I was a really big fan of that. Um, 
So I liked Clooney. I think I watched it pretty much for him. I, I think I was also like, yeah. Marky Mark is back. Uh, <laughs> I think he kind of had disappeared for a while and came back with that. I want to say, but I didn't ch- double check that. Well, and, he had Boogie uh, Nights two years before. That was huge. Oh, okay. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, but he had kind of like, yeah, he hadn't been doing I love a fear. Lot. I, I know too. you're a big fear fan. Alicia you know. Silverstone. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I watched it and liked it, and I have not watched it in oof, twenty years, fifteen years, something like perfect. that. Perfect, yeah. another Damn. perfect movie. Then, yeah. yay! I considered it for the show too. I mean, it's definitely one that I, I, it's on my, it's been on my list as well. It's oh, even your kiss on my list. Uh, your kiss, your kiss. It's on my list. It is good to know. That's yeah. one important to me. Eric Brasham, <laughs> can you take us back in time? Three Kings viewing, original viewing. Dude, absolutely. I was there opening night at the original Cinema 9 in Brighton, uh, Brighton, Michigan. Uh, Brighton Cinema 9. Oh! I could not wait, man. Uh, I just love George Clooney, man. I it, Must see TV, primetime Thursday night. I was there yep. for every episode of ER. And I was so behind this guy's movie career. The Peacemaker from Dust Till Dawn. When he started getting into movies, I'm like, good. This guy's fucking awesome. Get him off the small screen. This guy's mm-hmm. a movie star. I could not wait. Loved it in theaters, bought it immediately on DVD, watched it many, many times over and over again. But it's been about 15 years. I always wow. just remember that, uh, like every single time I think about this movie, I just think about that DVD. When you first turn on the DVD, especially if you bought the original, like in the late 90s or upon its uh, home video release, <laughs> this like warning came on the screen. The warning was, is, is essentially your TV is not fucked up. Don't try to change the convergence. This is an artistic decision made by the director to fuck with the bleach bypassing of the, the film stock. Like, it's so dumb. They had to warn audience not to, like, start banging on their TV or, like, throw a temper tantrum. But, yeah, man, loved it. It's been a hell of a long time. They, yeah, they literally a, had a, wow. a fucking warning up disclaimer, a disclaimer that's that said, so "Like, uh, there's a lot of bizarre imagery and colors in this film. Don't freak <laughs> out." <laughs> yeah, epileptics be warned. Yep. Um, you know, you Travis, you guys both mentioned this before. A big David O. Russell fan. He's probably one of my top five favorite directors, and this was actually a movie that was at the very, very bottom. I never saw it until about three or four years ago. So for some reason it was turned off or I just skipped it at the time and life just kept on going. And I didn't have a strong desire to go back and watch it. Cause it seemed, I don't know. It seemed odd to me in some way, like a war movie, but like these guys didn't fit in war rules or something. I'm like ice cube Friday, Mark Wahlberg, uh, boogie nights. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was just strange to me. Well, even but Russell, doing, it. even him doing a war movie was weird at the time and still kind of weird. Yeah, it only got weirder, I guess, as time went on, in my opinion. But uh, I finally knocked it out about four or five years ago, and now this is my second viewing ever. So, of course, uh, that's a teaser. I'll tell you how wow. I feel about it, because that's what we're doing here. We're talking about the film. Of course, we got to give our rating decisions. IMDb score from 1 to 10. I guess 0. Can you rate it 0, or is it 1 to 10? I don't um, think there's anything rated that low on IMDb. I don't think. I want to say this is a, you know, this seems like a rock solid standard movie, like a seven, just a straight seven. That's my guess. I'm going to say upper sixes. I'm going to say six, nine. I'm just going to sneak in right behind you at six, nine. Yeah, I was thinking probably like six, eight, six, eight, six, nine is what I was going for. Yeah, I saw it. So um, 
It's a 7-1. Okay. I'm with the wrong direction. <laughs> so Christ. off, dude. I fucking blew it. <laughs> Way to go. How dare you? But, no, I mean, uh, it, that me, just makes the, sense to me. The yeah. thermometer, like, is off the charts, is it not? Because this was a critical darling. 94%. Holy crap, nice. That's an, that's an elite score. That is an elite score. 77 from the audience. That's a big gap. That's a fairly yeah. decent gap. They couldn't uh, figure out why it was movie. they couldn't figure out why it was so bleached out. <laughs> They're all like, if my TV yeah, wasn't like, fucked up, maybe I could enjoy it. It's <laughs> honey, it's in slow-mo again. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to get that Vizio. What? They're like two hundred dollars. Turn up the contrast. <laughs> contrast. Is that the one that flips the screen or or is that yeah. the uh I can't remember which one that is, so uh, as far goes. as the the critical reviews, like we said, 94% for the critics. And the critics say, here you go. How about this one? Susan Wishokshina. I have no, I'm butchering her name so bad. There's two Zs in it with a C and a Y. It's tough. Three Kings rules. There you go. That's your review. All right. That's it. Uh, that. <laughs> Todd McCarthy of Variety says, the first Hollywood feature to take on the 1991 Gulf War. Three Kings does so in an impudently comic stylistically aggressive and finally very thoughtful manner first and last yeah how about that we did wag the dog last week which is a you know that's that's satire about the gulf war as well but i mean it's indirectly about it can you think of any other movies about the gulf war uh not directly no yeah there's a lot of indirects like uh jarhead i guess jarhead is one yeah Um, definitely mm, yep yeah but there's not many not many. There's movies about people coming home from the war, but not about itself directly. Yeah. Wow. Right? Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, how about good old Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle? It's George Clooney's best showcase to date. A picture that is as strong as the war itself was dubious and one-sided. Uh. Wow. Oh. Powerful. Is he talking about the movie or the war? Both. I don't know. Both, I don't know <laughs> Unclear about it. Uh, our dearly departed Ebes, Roger Ebert said, three kings." Sweeties. Sweet Sweeties. 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 Three kings is some kind of weird masterpiece. A screw loose war picture that sends action and humor crashing head on into each other and spitting off into political anger. All right. Whew. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wordy. Very wordy this time, Ebs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Desson Thompson, I'm not seeing Desson. I'm looking really hard, mm. but uh, might have been too honey soon cut? for old Des. Got any honey cut? Uh, yeah, I'm honey. Uh, goody coons. Goody coons. Goody coons. Yeah, yeah. Goody no goody coons. coons. Uh, Wesley Morris said it was a work of strangely bold, distinctly American pop art. So, is this movie distinctly American? Oh, it's super fucking American. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Look no further than that Carter Burwell score of like taking the fuck. I've complained about this on the show before, like take taking like actual like Middle Eastern music uh, and then like just slamming some fucking bass beats behind it. It's just oh man, it's excruciating. Over and over the whole movie. I'm like, man, is there a way to? Is there a cut that doesn't have the music in it? <laughs> Dude, what about this part with the Chicago? We got some soft rock Chicago in this. The score, it's like so... um, The soundtrack was good. The score was not. If you leave me now. Yeah, fantastic. A lot of great songs, but it's... 
Yeah. I just want to celebrate. Like blowing on there. <laughs> yeah. That's hey, no, that's not the first time he's used that song in a movie, too. He's done that in multiple right. movies. We got Lee Greenwood again. We talked about him last week, too. Oh, yeah. oh let me mention this. So do. Lee Greenwood's that that song, I always thought it was a 9-11 song. So I was blown away no. to see no, that no, no, it no. was not. It blew my mind when I was watching this movie for the first time that they were singing it. I'm like, wait. So this movie came out before 9/11. So yeah, no also. way, dude. That's the th that's like one of the coolest things in, uh, about this movie. As we start to jump in, like we're talking about like um, like critical uh, satiric cynicism about uh, foreign wars before the second Gulf War. Like we're we're pinning this on the first Gulf War with this cynical eye. Uh, in 99 dude uh, you and i get, think that's really smart you want to get really cynical fucking i read an interview with russell he was talking about how he ran into george w bush before he even got the nomination <laughs> in 1999 and told him like hey i made a movie that's somewhat critical about your father's uh you know war and bush jr told him well i guess we're gonna have to go back in there and fix it then won't we yeah Jesus fucking it. Christ, that's dark. <laughs> and we've lost our and we've uh, lost host, Mike. or one of our hosts. We've Mike lost is, Mike. We've lost Mike. So I guess we're going to stop with the uh, reviews at this point. He'll come back, but uh, I think we can probably shift gears on into the next piece of things, which is getting into the film itself. And there's he's back. He wasn't gone long at all. There he is. No, uh, we're getting fucking bombarded with these naked bullshit Comments in the live chat. Fuck off. It fucked up my system. Yeah, not cool. Uh, I apologize. This aggression will not stand. Hot picks? <laughs> Getting offered uh, more hot picks, Mike? Or so many high so, like, are you Kanye West? We talk about Spike Jones for a minute because <laughs> what Spike Jones does in this movie is so. It's impressive. I mean, I've never seen him act a lot. I really haven't. Uh, there's, I mean, he's been in movies, of course, but not, not many. Yeah, yeah, he's more. You know, he's a director as we know him these days, of course. Her. Is a great movie, but Adaptation. he went into this role full bore. Like he grew up with guys like the character he plays. I got the feeling yeah. that oh man, you you know these type of dudes that you grew up with around you, and you yeah. play he played it to a T. And I especially really like the fact that the script took the time because sometimes you get racism in a movie, and it's just mm -hmm. that guy's a racist. That's it. Mm -hmm. He's an asshole. Mm -hmm. But there's a constant recall and reference to his lack. Of an education, no mm -hmm. high school, no high school, which, you know, I don't believe anybody is born inherently racist at all. That just doesn't happen. They learn that shit. So exactly. I want to give the script credit for that. And better still, it's not just that they look at his racism, they look at the way that's normalized through the rest of the military, because it, as it always is in war and there's there's racism that's okay for them and then there's racism that's not okay like hey yeah. you know don't say anything that uh, can be construed to be against you know you know this people these this group over here but you can say whatever you want about this group over here yeah the first 15 minutes was pretty rough man like just the slurs and the derogatory comments that it was pretty rough but they and i i think the director did a great job doing that and portraying that to show us this is what it's like maybe in the barracks. This is what it's like, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. because everyone at mm -hmm. war, right? Everyone that doesn't look like you, act like you, talk like you, they're your enemy. So yeah. I thought they did a great job. He did a great job with that. And, uh, but that first 15 minutes, that, that was kind of rough to me. You know, that's, it was relentless. And I was a little worried that I forgot about it all. 
and it was going to be throughout the entire movie and it wasn't at yeah. all they stopped it after like that 15 minutes yeah i mean christ russell tosses you into so much in that first chunk and you're it's kind of like you're either in or you're out because we got like this mtv spring break type direction while dealing with a subject matter that's fucking very uh important and and, and salient so yeah, to joke about it, to have the slurs is a slippery slope, man. Uh, but the, the 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 sardonic wit, I think, is is handled carefully. Uh, I I I wasn't like seeing anything terrifically, you know. I saw it is just like you said, people that are products of environment sent into the shoulders of their fathers and grandfathers with no clue of what it what it means to be in an alien landscape surrounded by foreign people i mean yeah and if you're going to criticize um no i've never been to war but if you're going to criticize america's involvement in uh the middle east here to, to include the racism that is part and parcel of that i mean i've spoken to enough soldiers and people especially back when this stuff was going on at the time people don't talk about that as much now but at the time and it wasn't just soldiers it was people that you worked with i mean like like any time america has gone to war with a with a group of people those people have been were subjected to um you know all kinds of verbal abuse to say that not to mention you know being casualties of war and whatnot Absolutely. It, it was, it was permeated through our, through our culture really at the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, and yeah to, go back, to go back to, uh, I don't remember if it's Govier's point, but Spike Jones did a fantastic job. He really, really did. He encapsulated that character really, really <laughs> well. Fuck that easy listening classics. Like, and it'd be so easy to just have him be a fucking total moron, bonehead, white trash, redneck. Well, isn't he? Well, he's, yeah, but more. He, he's not intelligent, but he's not without uh, nobility uh, or, or, or qualities that are desirable. He's not just a fucking dumbass. I found him to be a fucking dumbass. And when he died, I went, oh, finally. Really? Oh, are you kidding? I could wow. care less about this dude. Wow. No, I couldn't. I mean, when uh, Ice Cube starts punching him, I'm like, oh, I, 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 how did you not do that? Like 10 minutes into the movie. Really? Um, racism aside i just found him an incredibly obnoxious and annoying character he's supposed to be he played it well don't get me wrong i mean he's supposed to be like uh you know one of those guys there's people that join the military because like you know they want to go to college or whatever and those people join the military because they like to shoot things they want to shoot somebody and that's clearly him um yeah i i didn't really find a lot of redeeming value in that character at all personally See, I, I don't see it that way at all in fact i see his character as being someone who joined the army because maybe he didn't have any other opportunities out there. And I, so I, I kind of created this whole backstory about this guy and, <laughs> and, and not that I relate to him cause I have nothing in common, but I really dug him. I thought, I thought he was a well-developed character to be honest with you. I, yeah. In, in comic yeah, relief in a comic relief in a serious movie. I, I, I thought, I thought it was well done. Yeah. He, I felt bad for him too. And they did give a backstory, not just your own imagination, Steve. I mean, they showed, Every the clips he throws in here, the way this movie's directed, I guess I want to talk about it. There's a lot of these quick flashbacks when they talk about their day jobs. We get a quick hint of each one's day job, and Spike Jones's character's day job was shooting shotguns at bottles. So it also gives you some insight. He was in a group home and he was lost. 
But this movie also, when they have that scene, when they go to the town and they decide to come back and help the people, they when they finally shoot each other, it focuses in on each character and the individual bullets. And the, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, it's just not a straightforward movie delivered to you face-to-face. There's a lot of unique shots in the sky moving quickly into time lapse behind ice cube and other moments like that. I guess I'm just curious how you guys view the direction of this film and the decisions that were made that you called. Some of you said what MTV style in the beginning, I guess that's fair too, but then it's also like, I don't know, otherworldly at times and fantastical in certain moments. And then it comes back to reality. I think that's kind of the, uh, I, I, I tried to find some research into a, anything other than you know getting the blacks black with this saturation process but what what david o russell and his cinematographer do is they create what kind of looks like an alien landscape with um the desert in in this environment granted they shot in arizona and mexico but what they do with the cinematography is they make it seem like this this alien world and that's where these american soldiers Either they're racist or they're ignorant, whatever the fuck they are. They're in a country that they don't know the customs, the culture. They just have uh, dossiers and some information that are, they're debriefed on. So Ask they make up. it seem like that they are in this completely... They're like basically on Mars with a mission. Uh, so to make the world look really fucked up with this cinematography and these choices is interesting. That's the positive. The negative is you have an opportunity to say, hey, this is Earth and this is our world. It's just our neighboring country. Uh, so to make it look like it's like you're going to fucking Mars to start a war with these aliens is a mistake, in my opinion. I, I think that the color correction that he does... And having it all bleached out, I guess he wanted to make it look like newspaper pictures, which was kind of cool. Uh, I think it, I think that works. I think it gives it a unique feel. I agree that the, that there are are also a lot of shots, not so much like the the coloring, but more like choices that are made, like say, where it's almost like like the fucking Iraqis or Jawas in the desert, and like, you know what I mean? Like it's like what is ha like it feels like this weirdly kind of otherworldly, but. In terms of the hyper stylized aspect of the film, of the of the choices that Russell makes, I think that there are moments like so. For instance, when um, when the character Barlow, right, is that um, Mark yeah. Mark Wahlberg's character? When Barlow, Barlow is shot, yeah. and we see his insides, and we see one one lung crumple. All that is fucking awesome. That is really really cool. Really well done. Uh, uniquely like a unique injury on film uh, and then uniquely shown to us and it's all motivated and it's all really cool why we get this other fake moment where sepsis is explained to us and we see a fake bullet go in like they, then it just feels like you're just playing around and showing off and it's not motivated like what is the purpose of this especially if you're going to do the same thing later it would have been a lot more interesting to me so th there are things in this movie that to me i'm like this is this is like fucking spike jones doing this great stunt with a car blowing up behind him and you, and you only have yeah one that was awesome that's awesome and, you, and just one camera angle like that's bold and so there is some really cool things happening but then there's stuff like the like you were talking about the sky going behind him where i'm just like this feels 
kind of like somewhat, you know, like kind of when I when I first got my hands on a camera and was playing around, you know, <laughs> exactly. Kind of, yeah. Some of it felt like um like it wasn't his first. Yeah. This is what his third, fourth movie. It, some of it felt yeah. a little bit more, but it was his first time with a big budget, so maybe he was doing some stuff playing around. I don't know. So yeah, he, so he got some like strong moments. Some of, it, some of it not as much. Like yeah, like, he got like, like really mil. quick. Like right. yeah, forty-eight million. But really quick, like um, I can see this being tossed away as just like somebody showing off or like um, being arrogant. But I think it's kind of cool when a director does just something visually to kind of get you into the head of the mind space of the character. Because this is just after a pinnacle moment in the story when playtime's over and this just turned into something else. So to show what may be going on internally, visually, is kind of a cool, cool thing to do instead of having characters just be like, oh, fuck, like, we, we got to take care of these people. To have, like, everything change around them and just everything be different, it's, it's kind of interesting in a subtle way. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is motivated. I mean, I'm not saying every fancy shot wasn't motivated. Some of it definitely was. Uh, and a lot of it looked great. I just, there, there are times where it just it seemed like there was more going on than was necessary, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a little much. And I, that was to me at times it was distracting. I really yeah. liked it overall, but there were t scenes and you nailed it, Travis, when you said uh, the sepsis shot at the beginning, it, to me, that almost seemed like an afterthought or they put that in afterwards after they did the, it, at the other, when Mark Balber got shot, um, when Barlow got shot that they went back. Oh, that was cool. Let's go add it in over here too. Yeah, and you got Clooney pointing and stuff. It's all really like, all right. Yeah. So, but but yeah. one thing I couldn't get past, not to change topics, but when the milk truck came blowing through, right? So mm -hmm. the milk truck come in, mm -hmm. tips over, spills milk everywhere. I could not get past how bad they would smell being in fatigues, <laughs> hot desert sun, <laughs> drenched in milk. And somehow <laughs> and somehow the magic of movies never thought they, of that. they still look great. You know, like yep. they're going how no does, one is can sticky. you imagine? Nope. Can, oh God. Damn, and I did good I, point. I kept referring back to that like halfway through the I'm like, really? Like they, no one they, no they, one's gonna mention it. <laughs> We stink. <laughs> Can't imagine how bad they'd smell. Oh, man. Hey, don't forget a Nora Dunn. <laughs> Was Nora, Nora, Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn. Doing Nora her finest Dunn acting again. ever? I don't know. I mean, yeah, she did a good job. But George Clooney as the lead role here. Now, there, it's infamous that him and David O. Russell, yeah. you know, disagreed. Tussled. Put it mildly. Tussled. Tussled, tussled. <laughs> yeah. And David O. Russell, as Travis alluded to earlier, is known to get intense and fired up and break people which we have actual evidence of we've heard it before yeah. if you missed the one for the i heart huckabees that exists somewhere you can go check that out but in the end uh clooney was not his ideal choice he wanted to be in that role yeah he wanted a lot of clint eastwood you mentioned clint eastwood Nothing. in that role even in 1999 <laughs> yeah i don't see it but no. uh, i guess I'm, I'm wondering about what we <laughs> what we see with him and how he changes. And you know I get upset about character motivations when they don't make sense. He's all about the fucking bottom line of himself from the moment we see this film. And then Mark Wahlberg's character 
Barlow is very like, dude, I got to save my family. He doesn't want to go back in when they get out the first time. And then when they get back to the, the town and they see these people get, you know, the woman gets shot and killed, kind of like the Vietnam picture we've seen of the guy who was murdered, that famous photograph. Mm-hmm. Suddenly Clooney changes his mind and he's like, no, no. He's, he's two weeks from retirement. Why does he suddenly change his mind? Because a woman got shot? He's been in the Special Forces for a long time. I, I just had a problem with that change. No, you, you, you hit it on the head, man. Because, I mean, if they had pulled out, if they'd driven off, they wouldn't have thought a goddamn thing about these people. They were completely unconcerned. About, and, and they knew down, damn well what was going on, what would happen to them. But once they're, once they're faced with physical, you know, with physical proof, that they're going to be murdered, then they suddenly have a problem with it, which maybe that's part of the point. I mean, maybe that's partly what Russell's trying to say that like, it's easy to be dismissive of people and put yourself first and put money first. Uh, but once you're confronted with the humanity or the, or, or, you know, that kind of brutality, then you have no choice, but to respond in a, in a, in a, either a human way or an inhuman way. So it could be intentional, but I agree as I'm watching the movie, it feels like a sudden and abrupt about face from one of our protagonists. And it's like, all you know, necessities changed. Like well, that doesn't explain anything. Well, and the thing that doesn't make sense to me is why couldn't they have just change that role why didn't they have mark Wahlberg who wanted to stay and fight you know what i mean and george clooney that you know they make the characters the way they actually are already why make them both do a 180 about face yeah not super consistent yeah yeah that's a great point mark Wahlberg should have found a like troy should have found a way to convince archie to stay and take care of things that made sense instead of the other way around could have been better Dude, I almost forgot to say another Judy Greer appearance. Judy yeah. Greer, every fucking Judy Greer. 104 episodes, 104 mentions of Judy Greer. The Judy Greer. It, by the way, is the whole the so when the movie on? starts, it says Ice Cube's on a four month vacation from Detroit, oh. and then later on in the movie we learn that Barlow is from Detroit, and they keep referencing that. I'm like, did something? Did someone forget what the references were in the beginning in the script and misplace the characters of Detroit's and their location? Because it didn't make sense if you look at it like that. Yeah, but they're not all from the too. same town. Well, two of them are. Apparently. Apparently. Two of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a minor detail. No, I noticed but, that too. I noticed that. And how that was. I don't know why they put that on there. You know, four month vacation from Detroit to be yeah. in war. That was mm. this whole like when it's fictional characters giving us a backstory and then a what happened. Let's catch up with them later. What what is this? It's so nineties. It's like, pretty wild that he gets out? to call like, his wife they, too. Is their life good now? <laughs> They're not real. Oh, you mean you mean at the end? Yeah, yeah it, it ends with a freeze frame and then yeah. title cards. Yeah, like, classic. Yikes. Yeah, they don't really do that with movies anymore no. for good reason. <laughs> well, but let's talk about the. This movie is going to get a lot of credit from me for getting into the horrors of war and the challenges of individual one-on-one conversations and decisions that are happening in a moment that are under the umbrella of a massive operation or a massive war and a ceasefire is in place, but there's collateral damage, but they're human beings. They're not just pieces of material. These refugees, well, they basically are refugees. They want to get out of Iraq to get to Iran and they have so much to offer, but at the same time, you get this anger from other members of their clan and from the Iraqi Republican guards who like that guy who tortures. Yes. Yeah. He tortures 
Barlow Wahlberg's character. Oh, I mean, that is oil? such a powerful. Yeah, that. Yeah, but no, that's the that's the best. My buddy, my main film. man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I no, that, the that's movie. the best commentary in the film is is Saeed's character because Saeed is like. He's talking about how his wife was mutilated, how his son was murdered by Americans, uh, and yeah. and you in like you're sympathizing with this torturer as he tortures your yes. hero, which that's a big move. That's and and you yeah. don't want when um, when Archie gets in to free him and and uh, and Barlow's pointing a gun at Saeed, like you don't want him to kill Saeed. You're like fuck, <laughs> yeah. don't ki- don't kill this guy that was just torturing you, yeah. and he doesn't. You're like oh thank God. <laughs> Yeah, which is dude, that's great. It. It's brilliant, and they're they're showing us. It, <laughs> David O. Russell is making a decision to show us fantasy images of Troy's kid and his wife dying, as opposed to Saeed uh, Tagmawi's character's family, who actually were killed. Well, we do see the which the is, crib get blown apart. Oh, I, I always it, thought yeah. that was Troy. Like the, I always thought that was like uh, Troy thinking that maybe that was gonna be that that could happen to his daughter because they did the same thing with his wife. Um, but you not the only kid to die in this movie, by the way. The sniper kid gets blown up yeah. by the team. Yeah. They yeah. don't pull any punches in this one. Hardcore. But you nailed it, man. Uh, and that's maybe one scene out of the whole maybe hour forty minute movie where there is some seriously great commentary about the conflict mm-hmm. um the the um m- maybe the idea that you know <laughs> uh production of like the, the way that we we know about most of us know about the first persian war basically is oil prices and the production of oil and how it fucked iraq's economy and stuff but like that's like the only scene they actually get into some some really meaty stuff uh adversarially that can get you thinking. Um, I could use some more. Uh, I would disagree. I mean, I, yeah. when they get out from the gas underneath in that like underground cave, when the refugees save them, he the guy talks about he went to a business school, Bowling Green. You know, he speaks English, was educated in the United Cliff States, Curtis. and they have this debate about Cliff yeah, Cliff Curtis, of course. Cliff Curtis, yeah, back, so back when he still played I'm just anything. Saying, there's, <laughs> whatever right brown there. guy you Omar. need. Cliff, Cliff <laughs> Curtis is going to show yeah. up and play. Well, him. I, I yeah. thought that there was more of it too when you know they come rolling up and then you have the people all screaming, you know, we love America and, yeah. and asking, you know, basically like, Oh, you're here to help us. You're here. And, and I thought that was, that meant a lot to me too. Like watching mm-hmm. that, I was like, Oh, it kind of hurt a little bit. Cause yeah, it's like, it's hard they're to there to steal. They're there to steal the gold. And, 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 yeah. oh my and that's the satire is that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're ostensibly here to help people, but really they're here to plunder resources. Yep. And that's, yeah. that's what it's about. They're here to yes. get, I mean, they're, they're, they're representing the, the, the military, you know, the, yeah. the America, basically the United the, States. Yeah. And they're, you know, people are happy to see them embracing them as liberators and they're literally kicking them off of their car as they drive away. Yep. It's, yeah. It is hard. Like there are moments of this movie that are really, really hard to watch. Yeah. And, and, um, I think it's I think it's important that that Americans do see stuff like this. Um, that was a tricky part, yeah. man. Like um, for me, uh, when I was watching it today, um, I'm thinking about people clinging to airplanes as yeah. as American as Americans fly out of a conflict. So when I see somebody get booted in the face uh, as they're driving away after stealing money, I'm seriously conflicted. 
But to your point, man, we got a special forces officer who's been sent on missions. We don't know what he's seen there. It could have just been a cut and run thing and it was over. But they do throw a lot of stuff at us. At first, it's just an image here and there. But when it all builds up to, to one picture, we have nothing but a really gross, disgusting, contemptuous theft uh, surrounded by people that just need help. So that's why I, I do really feel for, for Archie. And I think we got a complex character here with a great arc. I like that. I mean, the movie does what we need it to do as viewers as, mm. as, as, as what the Hollywood studios needed it to do, which is for them to uh, eventually prioritize the lives of the refugees over the bullion. Um, yeah. Is that the most, you know, realistic outcome that would have or could have happened here? Probably not. And is it? Is and the good, footage that, gets posted. That realistic right. at all? No yeah, way. Is, it, is any of that good satire? <laughs> no. But imagine how dissatisfying it would be to watch the movie. Had the movie end with them just getting rich and the refugees getting mowed down. Like they had, they, they, there was, they couldn't have ended it that way. So they did what they had to do. But it does kind of fall apart as far as satirical satirical commentary goes towards the end but that's yeah. okay because it's still a movie and it's got to be you know you, you you there's enough time spent making me feel like shit as an american and rightly so uh you, let me have a movie that ends happily more or less yeah it has to be palatable yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah i think that you know that that's how that story is going to end the satire can only go so far and in the end i actually thought for a moment though that Barlow was going to die, that his own troops are going to get him killed because they were so pissed off and so by the book when they hold him and get him all handcuffed because he needs to let the air out of his lungs. I actually was like, oh, shit, is he really going to die? I couldn't remember the first time I saw it. So I will admit they got me there a little bit on that part. But, you know, all's well that ends well. Honorably discharged because the footage from the... Maybe she finally won an Emmy Award. I don't know if not. For NBS, she and her cameraman get that footage out, which would never, ever happen because... They would confiscate that. The military would make sure that stuff never got out. So that is total fantasy land, and satire goes right out the window there. I completely agree. Uh, uh, so, Steve. Yikes. Oh, you disagree? I, I don't know, man. Um, like, that first Persian Gulf War, I mean, I believe they uh, they called it the video game war for a while because so much stuff was on CNN about these cameras that were in bombers and, yeah. and all this footage that they had. Right, but that's all controlled by the military. The news. But it, right. it, it, it was still, there was still journalists that were reporting live from battlefields. Again, controlled by the military. That's all I'm saying. So I don't disagree with you there. You're right. Um, uh, but what else? Uh, Steve, you picked this movie. What else? What, what are some other things we need to cover? Because this movie has so much going on. Well, you know, there are a couple of things that made me kind of scoff a little bit. Like... The football taking out the uh, helicopter. I mean, come on. That, All it, American, baby. <laughs> it's got C4 fun. on it. It was yeah, fun. I know, but it was a little, Rambo 2. Come on. <laughs> a, little, a little too much. And, and we already brought it up. But, uh, at least they, at least they like, um, they foreshadowed it enough. They had like two instances where they, it, yeah. it was just a, a, a football bomb out of nowhere. At yeah. least they prepped us for it. You're right. They did do that, but it, the helicopter, why would it get that close? It just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my Lord, but, Oh boy. But I, I, you know, I really liked the, the bleaching of the color. I thought that was great. Um, I really loved the, the bullet shot again, 
the cow exploding, that was a little much for me too. The heads flying on the car when he stepped on the mine. But overall, um, the cinematography at the shots in the village, I thought were, were great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love those shots. Uh, again, they got a little, a little much at times, but, but that's all until we get to the, uh, the roundabout segment. I don't want to go in too far here. Those poor, those poor fucking birds, man. <laughs> I, I will, I will point out that I had to look, I'm like, did they actually coat these pelicans in oil? They're rubber. They're all fake pelicans. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I want to know. Are there really, is there, why is there pelicans nearby? Is there water nearby at all? That's what I was freaking out about. There's like, no water oh. in Iraq. Did you know that? Not a single drop. I, not a single drop. Yeah. <laughs> not anywhere. Not. <laughs> but I, I was just yeah, glad that, that, that they, they were they were they were fake pelicans. And while that was a real cow head that uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg picks up off the car, um, it was a cow that oh. had died of natural causes, which oh. I found. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> they, they had chopped it up and used its head, but at least it died of natural causes. <laughs> Throw that head around respectfully. <laughs> well, so we still don't know who the three kings are. Chad's point in the email prior to us getting into this film. It's there called is, Three there Kings. Isn't, there isn't three kings. There's three there survivors, they... I right. guess. But, even, but no, because Jamie Kennedy, you're right. There's four. There's, there's, but he's name, he's like a pawn in a way. I guess he's you know I don't really consider him part of the crew. We don't need to debate that. I'll acquiesce if you want to challenge it. But all I know is I don't give a shit about the title so much because the title could really mislead you into what's going on with this film. And I still wonder since they get to live this happily ever after life, is there did they keep some gold somehow? Uh, I don't know. It seems like it's ambiguous at the end of how all of that finally played out. Did they stay in touch with their pals? You know, their new refugee pals that moved to Iran? Did they live a good life? How come we didn't get anything about them? We only got it about the soldiers. We didn't get any follow-up closure about what happened to the refugees who got through the border to Iran. Yeah, I'm not sure about the the, the Iraqi refugees going into Iran. There's not exactly... Not exactly known for having awesome relations between those two countries, uh, but we, we Ice Cube does go work for George Clooney, I guess. Uh, yeah, as, they're buddies a, with Barry Bostwick on the action on the action movie set. I was Barry Bostwick. Ice Cube there. used to work at Detroit Metro Airport. That's where he was working. He was from yeah, Detroit. My dad used so. to work there too. Oh, I didn't know that. John Roy. How about that? That's they have awesome. so much in common. My dad and Ice Cube. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> is, is there any of these characters, though, that you guys identify with the most or the least? I think we got clearly Travis's least is uh, Conrad, Spike Jones' character. But, you know, for me, I, I've, I identify with Sp- Ice Cube the most because he was so consistent as a character. He's and the religious? guy to me who, yeah, he's, the he's hardcore. The, yeah, right. yeah. Naturally, the, the Jesus fire guy is the one that you gravitate to. Clearly. Yeah, d- <laughs> I, mean, I, hope that's, I hope that's obvious by now. If you guys you know know me on this show, I'd love Christ big time. <laughs> But I, he's most consistent, and he always stays cool and measured, and I like that about him because it's a guy that you can rely on. Even though he gets that you know tiff with Conrad, that was Conrad's doing. That wasn't you know Ice Cube's doing. So we're supposed to say who we identify with most? Yeah, you could say whatever you want. I just wanted to share what I identified oh, with okay. him the most. So I thought he was well done, too. I got no sense of direction, so maybe... Uh... Jimmy Kennedy character? Uh, that was kind of pre-planned. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like yeah, I Yacht don't... Rock, so I guess Ice Cube. Uh, butt Rock? <laughs> uh, I don't think I really identify with any of them. 
Maybe I wish McKelty Williamson was in this more. He was such a badass yeah, in this he's movie. Good. He's yeah. really I wanted good. more of him. I, I wanted Holt, more Holt McKelty. I, I fucking yeah. love that guy. He's good too. He's finally oh. getting his just desserts. I feel like he always plays a soldier or like a cop or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, rough. Yeah, he's rough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really liked Michael T. Williamson in this. I mean, he is such a good actor, and he's so different. And he just does something different in every role that he plays. Yeah. And I can never like. It's always like shit. Yeah, there you are. Like you just fucking. He's got this way of of. I think that it's in his cadence or something where he, yeah. he, he's really Conviction. good at. at yeah, there's, he's really good at just like um, like finding a voice for the, the characters mm-hmm. that he plays. So yeah, I mean, it's ninety nine. This is a year after like Saving Private Ryan, which was the big war movie, mm-hmm. and no one yeah. really had the budget to, especially. For me, this is kind of a, a really interesting bridge between independent and major studio war movies. Yeah. Because no one was given any independent filmmakers a, a, a budget like this to make a war film. And when, when a studio does, I believe Warner Brothers, um, you get this very fucking weirdly independent like like I say, kind of like MTV Spring Break, weird ass direct uh, editing choices, uh, take on war. I mean, up until then, you're getting you're not going to have this kind of unless it's a straight comedy, you're not going to have this type of a blend in a in a war movie. So I think that's what took me back in '99 was like I'd never really seen anything like it. It's tongue in cheek. We're having this much fun, and yet there's these in, there's these intense conflicts and this very uh, uh, intense um, social aspects to it. It was just is an eye opener. And I and you know to go back on what I or to better clarify what I said about Clooney's character Archie, maybe the inconsistencies aren't the worst thing in the world because humans are not always super consistent in what we do. One of the things I actually liked in the movie was that, you know, he was someone that was out of all of them was uh, becomes the one most concerned with helping these people. But when they are, when they go to go get these cars, all these cars, he like mm-hmm. very deliberately drums up this, this language that he knows is bullshit that he has critiqued yeah. others for using. And he uses it and tries to like finagle when he could just mm-hmm. pay them. And he's got the money on them, and that's what he ends up yep. doing. Um, so I do appreciate a, a flawed hero, and these these heroes are all pretty fucking flawed. I'll give them that. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate the the fact that I'm sorry, Steve, that uh, either David O. Russell or John Ridley or whoever the fuck wrote this screenplay. Uh, well, it doesn't sound like John Ridley did very much. From the jury's still out. Um, at least on this, gave some of these. Uh, people, some of these in uh, indigenous people, it, that sounds harsh, but a, a voice and characters. These aren't just like th- th- like the Iraqis or the mm-hmm. Iranians or these uh, refugees. They really seem like people right down to the guy who wants to start a salon. I mean, these are just people embroiled in a fucking conflict that they have no control over. Uh, so to spend the time on that characterization in 1999, yeah, is is really something to behold and appreciate. I think that Cliff Curtis's character was pretty 
over his dead wife very quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than, and, and I would have liked to have had like the main Iraqi geek guy. You know, it would have been kind of cool if he was played by an Iraqi, but I do think Cliff Curtis is fucking awesome. And I, Love and him. I don't, and I'm not one of those people that think that you have to play whatever ethnicity that you are. Like, I don't think that that's the case. You can only gay people can play gay people. Like I don't think any of that. I think acting is acting. So don't, don't get me mistaken there. I think Cliff Curtis is really good in this. Uh, and I agree with your point. I think it's a great point that you make that these people are all individually or, or most of them are, are given distinct personalities and wishes and and we're explained that they don't give a fuck like these guys you just mentioned they don't give a fuck who's in charge they just want to live their lives um like anybody in a lot of ways you know um so yeah i think that's a really good point eric also they did a great job with that kid because when they at the kid who lost her mother cliff curtis's daughter as soon as they ask how's your daughter doing he's like she's absolutely traumatized what do you think (laughs) that's exactly you know Yep. Too often in movies you might see that something seriously traumatic happened to someone. Oh, she's fine. And they're like, oh yeah. Oh, she'll she'll be all right. She's shaken up, but she'll be fine in an hour. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Come on. She's got another so, mother uh, next town over. It's cool. Yeah, this script does a uh, does a really good job of paying attention to the details, which could be glossed over, except of course some of the football shit and the stuff we've discussed prior. I, do, I do want to say though, man, and I want especially your input, Steve, as the guest here. Um, at the end of the day, this was 23 years ago, believe it or not, like a contentious shoot, man, especially between its star and director David O. Russell, who just butted heads. David O. Russell didn't want some fucking TV stars. He referred to him as constantly. The guy's kicking extras. Like, does the does at the end of the day, like, because we have a fantastic product, like, how do you like... Like, how do you feel? Like, does this still piss you off? This this di- the director is such like a a dick on the set, or is it, 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 it the ends justify the means? Or like, because talk to me here, because like, I I I love this guy's movies, and yet like I would love to punch this guy in the face. I, I you can't relate the two. One, they're totally separate issues. I mean, the guy could be a total dick, but he made a great movie uh, and makes great movies, not just this movie. Um, George Clooney said on this movie himself that this was one of the That's right. worst shoots of his life. Um, yeah, he hated it. So I, I don't have a lot to say about that. I think you have to discern between the two. Um, the problem that David O'Russell will have is that he's going to have less people that are going to want to work with him. And then what kind of movies could he have created or could he create in the future that he might not have the ability to create because he acts the way he acts. Um, but all in all, they're separate. They're separate issues. I mean, I've had in my own life, the worst bosses ever who turned out to be, when I first start, they turn out to be great uh, and they do great things. So. What was that producer? Was it? was it Scott Rudin? Was that his name recently? Scott Rudin. Yep. Yeah. Scott so I mean, Rudin. Amer- uh, Hollywood is starting to lose patience for tyrants. Uh, I think that uh, there as elsewhere in America, we, we prided ourselves on, on, on supporting leaders who were abusive because somehow like their vision, because the end does justify the means, I think for a lot of people. But I think, I think you're, you're to, 
to answer your question as well, uh, I think that people less and less feel that way in this country that, that the ends justify the means, especially when it comes to something like art. If you're saving lives, okay. If you're making a movie, which I love movies more than almost anybody I know, but if you're making a movie, <laughs> it never justifies being physically or verbally abusive towards someone that you're working with. That's never. Well, I don't, under, I don't understand the mentality behind it. You know, yeah. like you, okay. You're a master in your role. You're a master in your a job, but you make movies. I mean, you, right. not, you know, you're not a brain surgeon. You're right. not yeah. who, so it is, it is a little baffling to me that you, you get such a big head, but when you live your life and everyone's catering to you all the time and money is not an issue, you know, I think that's the nature of human beings turn into dicks. Imagine yep. like stay poor gentlemen. <laughs> Imagine, <laughs> like it's one thing to scream at someone like hand me that scalpel, but like hand me that coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. <Don't> scream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I think uh, on that note, unless we didn't capture uh, something, I think we got the gist. I will say one last thing, uh, a sure. shout out to the person that this is basically actually inspired this. It wasn't just John Ridley. John Ridley wrote the original story that um, that o David O. Russell spun into his own screenplay. But then there's, there's a U.N. worker named David McCulley who actually uh, went into Iraq and like retrieved Kuwaiti gold, like all this bullion and gave it back to the Kuwaiti people. Uh, he passed away in 2012, but this, this, this movie is inspired by, by him. So shout out to the great Scotsman, David McCulley. Wow. Okay. Wow. I did not know did that. Know. You know where did I? I did not know that. Did he try ah. to, <laughs> did he try to steal it first and then no, have to get it back? Or? Better still. No, he was actually just a <laughs> good person split it with him? doing his job for the UN and, you know, retrieving <laughs> the stolen money. So beautiful. Good, good I'm glad him. we know that. Now we know the more you know. Now you know the rest of the story. All right, and let's close it out. It's time for Does It Hold Up or Not on Three Kings. Any volunteers to go first? Or do I have to pick someone? Well, then no. I pick Eric. <laughs> no one wanted oh, to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. You're back, man. Um, we got to get your tape. We've been waiting for your Does It Hold so Up for a month. I'm so happy to be back. I missed it so much. We Dude. do. Um, for a lot of years, I was like, come on, come on with that, dude. I'm in the new David O. Russell, Civil Lines Plane Book, the fighter book. Like that was like uh trash. It's just a like, war satire. Come on. It's probably totally misguided. I watched it, um, over the past couple of days. I just split it up. I'm very busy. Uh, <laughs> very I, busy I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. I could, I could not take my eyes off it. Like. I had to pause it just to like get my uh, like water that was beside me. Every shot is fucking awesome. So for a director, especially an independent, coming off spanking the monkey, flirting with the disaster, to be to have this product and to deliver it um, and to deliver this as we know it today is fucking unbelievable, man. Every shot is awesome. Um, and, and I could and I could count and I could give you hand, uh, both hands, fingers on each hand of incredible shots that would make fucking Michael Bay blush when the <laughs> milk truck blows up, when the fucking chopper is uh, um, circling the compound that dude, that would make Rambo blush in some of those scenes. It's fucking awesome. 
Uh, yeah. Did he have to, like, give a guy a fucking headlock until he passed out to get it? Probably. But the direction, um, the cinematography is so gorgeous. Uh, I, I love the script because the script knows when to when to cut the shit and get serious. And it does it in a very complex way that um, has a lot to say. And no one was wasn't saying shit about the first uh, Persian Gulf War. Uh, it was a conflict that everyone was just saying that had no victims and and no one saw any action. But a lot of fucking people were affected by the fact that Kuwait was annexed by Iraq. Uh, you know, be it as it may. Um, and, and that's something that needed to be said. It was said in 99, a few years before um, the, the second conflict. And I fucking applaud it so much for having the balls to do that. And for this guy to turn in the script to say... Let's make a movie about that and for Warner Brothers to pull the trigger. And uh, basically all their notes were, were, do you have to kill the cow? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, loved it, man. I fucking loved it. And I had to, I'm so goddamn busy. I had to watch the last 20 minutes on my phone while driving home from fifth grade camp, which I chaperoned last week. It sounds safe. And I was, yeah. I, 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 no, I hope I you weren't it. driving the bus. <laughs> yeah yeah the wheels of the bus go round and round shut the fuck yeah, up for yeah, a minute yeah 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 well we don't talk about bruno yeah, uh, jim gaffigan's on screen i had no idea yeah, it was yeah, in yeah. this <laughs> no man uh but seriously safely i had that sucker thing on the windshield i was crying when conrad died i was crying and i was like fucking driving at a red light in gary indiana which i i had to really watch myself anyway but i was crying because First of all, man, just to go back, I love that I love that relationship. It's like someone's little brother just fucking doesn't know any better. In a war? And nobody knows what the fuck is going on, even though even why they're there. They just have these little I I think this movie is more complex and has m more substantially to Maybe even people let off in 1999, man. It absolutely holds up. I fucking loved it. I underestimated it. Man, if you haven't seen it, check it out immediately, in my opinion. Holds up. Mm. Wow. All right. Yeah, wow. Uh, go, ahead. go ahead and jump in. I'm ready. Do it. Well, you know, there since you goes. brought up that ending, one of the things I did have a problem with was I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, you're a soldier. You're running away. All the other soldiers are running with you. You're going to double back with one other dude. Perch yourself in the weeds there. Wait for a group of armed men to show up and take your shot so you can kill one of them, maybe, and give your life up for that. What are you, a pawn? Like, literally a pawn that you just, like, didn't. So I, that, 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 was, that was maybe partly why I wasn't emotionally affected by Vig's death, because I'm like, why the fuck? Who would choose this? Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, so... Uh, I, I obviously had a lot more issues with the movie than you did, Eric. I mean, I, I, I was not wrapped. I, there, I took, I paused it and walked around a couple times to go and looked out the window. I remember I, I paused <laughs> it, just stood out the, looked out the window for a while. Like, yeah, this is, this is the you. scenery. Here's what it looks like out there. Um, <laughs> so I, I was not nearly as enamored with it as you were. Uh, I do think that 
George Clooney's a fucking movie star, and this is one of the movies that helped drive that into people's heads, and I appreciate that. Um, more than anything, it's the, the the satirical elements here. There are some really strong, uncomfortable truths being shown to us in ways that are um, sometimes sugarcoated with comedy or action, but ultimately uncomfortable and like i said earlier i think it's kind of stuff that americans need to see especially about this this war that we just glazed the fuck over and uh we you know a prelude to the what came later in our collective memory or something um very real losses very real like one of the main thing and we have not harped on this enough one of the main points of this movie is it really highlights how america left these people high and dry we got we got Saddam out of Kuwait and then said, good fucking luck, especially to the Kurds. Like, hey, good luck. You know, you do what you do, what you're going to do. And man, maybe we'll help you. Maybe we won't. So and I think a lot of Americans were still singing that Lee Greenwood song, uh, even when this came out in 99. So um, I, th I think that that's an important movie. Is it the most entertaining movie I've ever seen? Am I going to rush back to watch it again soon? I'm not. Uh, I'm not. But I, I do think it holds up. I think it's an, an important commentary uh, and a unique opportunity. We don't see this very often where uh, an independent auteur is just thrown money by a studio. Uh, I wish it happened more often. It, there was a minute there where it was happening somewhat with some sort of regularity. We've talked about it before with Wes Anderson, for instance. But yeah, it holds up. Wowzers! Well said, well said there. Uh, Steve, I'll give you the choice. You can go after me, or you can go next. You're the special guest. Yeah, I'll go right now. Let's do it. Do it. So, um, I really, uh, Eric, I thought, nailed, nailed, out, nailed it. Um, put the nail on the head. Um, I really love the direction. I really love the cinematography. Again, as I said, sometimes it got a little heavy handed um, and got a little tiresome. But for the most part, I love the bleaching out of the of the the movie. I thought that to me, it kept things on the surface. And, and that's what this movie did to me. It was a listen. this is a movie about war. This is a heavy, heavy subject. And yet the direction and the, the characters, they kept it light throughout. They got deep at parts, but for the most part, it almost skimmed across the surface of this light hearted, um, almost like the Americans skimmed over the war itself. Cause all we saw on CNN was a couple of lights in the, in the dark sky of bullets flying. We didn't even know what we were there for. I mean, we, we, this war happened, it came, and we skimmed the surface of it. And I thought that's what this movie did. It really it didn't dive deep except for at certain points. It really stayed on a level that I'm not making myself clear, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the movie itself, uh, all the characters in it were great. Uh, Archie Gates, he cracks me up, a George Clooney. Um Troy Barlow. I mean, it's amazing seeing these guys as young as they are uh, in the movie. It's after seeing them now, uh, Mark Wahlberg. But again, I don't know how to make my statement a little more so you understand it, but it's just overall, yes, it held up. It held up to me big time. It really held up. I, in fact, I liked it better than I think I liked it when I watched it back 
1999 um, or 2000. It, I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. I kind of was expecting to be like, yeah, 50-50, but I really enjoyed it. Really wow. enjoyed it. How about that? Wow. Okay. Very impressive. Well said. Well said, Stephen. You did a fine job. Your point that, was definitely clear to me. That was not well said, but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> well, look, uh, it's a movie. It's got people in it. It has moving images. It's over an hour and a half long. Those are good things. <laughs> and sometimes you look at a film and you wonder why you're watching it. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes you don't at all. You're just like, I'm not even paying attention. But this movie makes you think. It definitely puts you in situations where you would say, what would I do if I was in that situation? Would I be the one to ignore it and just spoil myself because this is my only chance at life? I don't get a second chance? Or would you put yourself in harm's way for other people you don't know, but you know what's happening to them is wrong or unsavory, to put it mildly, I suppose. In the end, it's a movie that I really had mixed memories of. Like, eh, didn't that happen? Uh, it was like some guys around running around a desert and they just kind of like get fucked up and things don't quite work out, but it's much, much deeper than that. And I do think this movie holds up because it asks questions that need to be asked and confronts you with brutal truths that are real and valid when it comes to nationalistic tendencies for whatever your country is, just as, you know, just as maniacal in a way all the soldiers are for their United States of America there's plenty of that on the other side, too. It's not shown as much, but, you know, these Iraqi fighters, they are terrified of Saddam, too, so they're also living under a terrible amount of fear, but they're also willing to dedicate their lives and sacrifice their lives for the country in this situation, whether there be various reasons for that or not. So, yeah, this movie holds up. It's a it's an interesting think piece. I think I would strongly recommend it to anybody. If you've never seen it, give it a shot and... I don't see why this movie would ever not hold up as it goes on another hundred years or so. I really don't. Four out of four holds ups. There it is. There it is. Yeah. I got to re-rank my David O. Russell movies now. I don't know where this one fits in yet. I still have to consider it, but <laughs> clean sweep. Top yeah. three. Good, good know. choice, Steve. This is a good choice for the show. Definitely. Great choice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Out, as, as I said, I, I enjoyed it even more than I expected to enjoy it. So I, I don't know if I would ever even really jump back in unless like it was on and somebody else wanted to watch it hmm. and those are always uh interesting picks not a fun yeah. movie to watch and it was one that held up under scrutiny so that's that's nice yeah. you know what i mean like I, I if i had watched it without the pen and paper uh i maybe would have you know that always <laughs> that always changes things to put it through yeah. that prism uh but there's there's a lot there to think about which was cool mm-hmm well, I thought David O. Russell did a great job. Run it's a it's a running commentary of I think the war itself throughout yeah. the whole thing, and that's that's what I love most about it is he used his directing to kind of kind of tell the story of what the war was. And I yeah, I mean, was forcing Marky Mark to drink oil, saying "There's your fucking stability." I mean, that's a statement. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And another cool thing is like in war movies in general. When you watch uh, films like All Quiet on the Western Front in terms of a World War One film, and then you watch like um, Sands of Iwo Jima for a WW2 film, and even like early Vietnam films, like a lot of filmmakers weren't telling you like different discerning 
stories about what actually happened like right after that it was it's it, it's really refreshing to see film a filmmaker make a movie on on that war in 99 um well for in fairness apocalypse now came came out five years after vietnam war ended yeah it's true yeah wow. yeah but um, I, I'm betting there wasn't a lot of scripts in the hopper for a Persian golf movie. And <laughs> no, this, this was probably right. the best out of any that were in that hopper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, that's it. We did it. It's called the Cinema Nine Podcast. And every week we decide is a movie hold up or not. And we thank Steve Laskowski for choosing Three Kings this week. Steve, we love you. But before we go... Uh, we got to find out what next week's movie is. And I think we're back at the top of the board, Travis. We are. So I'm going to get us out of the 90s. We've been in the 90s for a minute oh, here. It's shit. time to get out of the 90s. the 90s. And it's time to go to a decade that we have not spent any time in, <gasps> the 1970s. Oh, there it's it is. Oh, my to the God. 1970s. Now, part of the problem with going with older movies is that, I mean, if you've seen them, they're probably more classic. So I have some movies in mind that are all kind of classics. But I wanted to give you guys some options. So you have an option between <gasps> comedy or science fiction. Oh, shit. Comedy. Oh, shit. Eric? I... Oh, oh, damn. Fuck. Nope. <laughs> this is really hard. It is. I can tell. <laughs> Dead air. 70s comedies or 70s science fiction? Yes. Oh, my God. Science fiction. Yeah, oh, Steve, you're going to be a tiebreaker here. So. Let me get Logan's run. I'll take science fiction. Ah! Science, so it's going to be science fiction. Now you have dirty dystopia or clean dystopia. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm still going to get Logan's run. Uh, dirty. Mike? Mike says dirty. dirty. I'll take dirty. 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 1973 Soiling Green. If you said hey! clean, it would have been Logan's run. <laughs> yes! <laughs> So wow. agree, made out of people. That's right. We're doing it. That's right. Well All done. Right. That reminds me of uh, childhood. Travis used to always talk about this movie when we were kids. In I fact, watch it the band, was the band named after this, or was it a song you wrote that had something to do with Soylent Green? I think I had a band called It was an early days, early, yeah, early days. I'd actually forgotten that, but one of the many high school garage bands I had, I think, was called Soylent Green, yeah. I think it was, yeah. That's how <laughs> I first Soylent ever heard of it. Green. First ever. <laughs> Soylent Green. We're doing it. Charles All right. I've All right. Seen it. Chuck Hedges. I've never seen it. Either yeah. one of you guys have seen it. Oh, man, I grew up on this oh. movie. So. Why right. see it when you already know it's made out of people? <laughs> Mr. Bill Hartman. <laughs> Boiler alert. Jeez, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we finally cracked the seal on the 70s. It's a good call. We're going back Steve, in time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, oh, Steve. it's always good. On, man. It's always good seeing you guys' face. I miss you guys. We love so, you. Yeah. I love you Virtual too. hugs. Love Virtual you, buddy. Hugs. Yeah, you were a great guest. You're welcome back anytime. We'll do it again, I'm yeah. sure. As long as we're alive, the show will continue forth. But until then, that does it for this edition of the Cinema 9 Podcast. I'm Michael Govier. He's Travis Roy. That's Eric Branstrom. And for Steve Laskowski, our dearly departed guest, he's not uh, dying. He's just departing. He's leaving. Jesus. But uh, <laughs> We thank you. There's a document in that guy's ass.